Holy Spirit, just come right now. Thank you, Lord. Come and wreck us with your love, God. Overwhelm us with your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans. Eventually, eventually we have to believe we're born again. Eventually, we have to actually believe that we are born again. John 1.12 says that whoever believes in God, he gave the right to be no longer born of the will of man nor born of flesh, but born from above and born from God. That means your lineage goes back one. Jesus. Your great, 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 great grandfather is Jesus. <laughs> it's a good deal. So it, it's not not important, but it's, it's no longer do we live according to the patterns of the world, which whatever upbringing you may have had or whatever life you may have had, we're no longer bound by those things. We're, we're tethered to the Lord. We're tethered to Jesus. And I want to go through some things which is probably repeat for some of us in here, but I, just, I felt to just hit this again and again because... We just need to. <laughs> oh, you know, the, uh, many people quote this verse when we start talking about these things. They quote Jeremiah 17.9 and they say, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If you read seven verses, seven chapters later, listen to this. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Ezekiel 36, 25 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, and give yeah, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. That's Ezekiel thirty six twenty five. John seven thirty seven says this: Out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, that's weird. If the heart's deceitful and wicked, why would it flow out of the heart? Possibly you had a heart transplant. It doesn't matter how many times I walk into the female bathroom, it doesn't make me a woman. Oh, there's, there's the tension with it. Cut that with a knife now, right? 
That might be strong, but it's the reality. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> 1 Timothy 1, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. A pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Maybe more happened at the cross than you and I realize. Maybe we actually are born-again Christians with a new heart and a new spirit and with the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we haven't lived the fullest life and freedom because we haven't believed it. Turn with me to Romans, uh, Romans, well, let's go Romans 5. Let's start there. Adam and Eve were sons and daughters who became sinners and you and I were sinners who become saints and sons and daughters. If Whenever we teach this, people often struggle and they go, yeah, Liam, I know I'm a Christian and I know I'm saved and I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, no, you were a sinner. You can't be a sinner saved by grace. It's an oxymoron. You were a sinner, yes. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory. Absolutely. Now you are a saint. How many letters does Paul write to the sinners at Ephesus, Colossians, Philippi? None. He always writes to the saints. To the saints. Why would God require a man and a woman to be equally yoked but not require that of his own bride? He made you compatible with God again. He gave you a new heart and a new spirit. You are a saint, sanctified, holy, redeemed, and in right standing, righteousness of God, so you can come boldly into the throne room and have intimacy with the Father again. And Adam and Eve were, did not have a sinful nature, yet they chose to sin. You can be in the promised land and live like an orphan. Why do you, why do you want to, though? <laughs> Does that make sense? All right. Oh, I just, I want to, Jesus said, I've come to set captives free. Paul said this in Romans 1.16, and we'll jump to Romans 5. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, it is, what is? The gospel, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, in what? The gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 says that Jesus became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for you, but he actually died as you. 
We call that co-crucifixion. He was co-crucified for... Okay, this is, it might be such a news flash for some of you. This might be really new for some of you. Sin is still and was an issue. Sin is still sin, no matter what you sprinkle on it. John 1, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sin of the world. Psalm 103 says he casts the sin as far as the east is from the west. If, if this is east and this is west, they never touch. East and west don't meet. So does he leave you in your sin or does he remove you from sin? If he leaves you in your sin, the Old Testament's really not better than the New. The New Testament's not better than the Old. Cut that out, edit it, change that around. Jesus. All right. It's live. It's live. No. All right. Romans 5. Are you there? Let's read some scripture. We'll start at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men. Because all sinned, for, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not, is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, talking about Adam, much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for judgment following trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned throughout that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. That's where we got the name school of life, to reign in life. Therefore, as one, verse uh, 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men who receive him, obviously. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Do you see it? Sinners, righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there's no chapter in the original writing of this, so he, Paul's writing and he's thinking, hang on, you might be thinking that I'm saying where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You, he's like, you might be thinking that I'm saying just keep on sinning so you get more grace. 
right? Then he says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Now listen to this. This is our, our main verse. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6. We know that our old self is slowly over a preceding number of years being crucified. Oh, that, no, that doesn't say that in my Bible either. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Matey, Paul made it clear. <laughs> he made it clear. I want you all to take off your mask so I can see you smile. No. <laughs> uh, that word there where he says, um, so you must also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is the word inventory or take stock take. You are to take stock take of the death that you died with Christ and also the life that you've been resurrected with Christ. In the world system, we perform to get accepted, uh, to get our identity, and then that makes us accepted. We do something, we get it from our doing, and then that gives us a purpose and our identity, and then the world might accept me or I feel accepted. In the kingdom of God, we're accepted in the beloved. That gives me as an identity as a son or a daughter of God. And then out of that, do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. It doesn't really matter. Right? Yes, Liam. That's a really good word. Thank you so much. I got about as much from that drum kit as from you guys. <laughs> I'm only joking. Listen to this. It's in your booklet. But in Adam versus in Christ. In Adam you were dark. In Christ you're light. This is the inventory. This is the stock take. In Adam you were Christ. In, in Adam you were dark. In Christ you were light. In Adam you were a goat. In Christ you're a sheep. In Adam you were old. In Christ you're new. In Adam you're a sinner. In Christ you're a saint. Over 60 verses by the way. Let's say you're a saint. In Adam, you are unholy. In Christ, you're holy. In Adam, you're condemned. In Christ, you're blameless. 
In Adam, you're in the domain of darkness. In Christ, you're in the kingdom of light. In Adam, you're a sinner in darkness. In Christ, you're a saint in light. In Adam, you're unrighteous. In Christ, you're righteous. In Adam, you're lost. In Christ, you're found. In Adam, you're impure. In Christ, you're pure. In Adam, you're unregenerated. In Christ, your spirit has been regenerated. In Adam, you're by nature a child of wrath. And in Christ, you're a partaker of the divine nature. These are all verses, by the way. In Adam, you're dead to sin. In Christ, you're alive in Christ. In Adam, you're in the flesh. In Christ, you live in the spirit. In Adam, you're rejected. And and in Christ, you're reconciled. And in Adam, you're a captive for sin. And in Christ, you're free from sin. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there we go. We're getting you going. (laughs) That's all right. I I am very fine. (laughs) You know, if I commit murder and the police come to arrest me, and I have died as well. They can't arrest me. And they can't convict me for the crime that I committed because I'm dead. But the, the, the Bible tells us that there is an accuser of the brethren that loves to come and knock on our door and say, you are these things that you've done and committed and try and convince you of the person that you were or the person that you might have been in the past or these things. But guess what? That man or woman died when you accepted Jesus, got buried in the baptismal tank, and you got resurrected in the new man. So you actually have legal rights and legal access to say, I'm not guilty of those things anymore because I now belong in Christ. Does that make sense? You're not guilty of the murder that, in my analogy, that you committed. And he doesn't just leave you there. He gives you a brand new life called born again. You're born again with the new nature of Christ. You're now a saint, holy, sanctified and in right standing with God which gives us the confidence and the boldness to come into the throne room and have intimacy with God. Hebrews 9.28, I think it is, he says, never again is Jesus, when Jesus comes back a second time, he's not coming back to deal with sin. Why? Because he dealt with it at the first time. Oh, well, Liam, why do I still sin? Why do I still outwork the nature of, of sin in my life? I'd like to propose you might not have a sin nature, but you might have a sin habit. It's called repent, change your mind, live in the freedom of Christ. The Christian life isn't you trying to become more like Jesus. That's impossible. 
the Christian life is you being aware of the person you have already become in Christ, the circumcision of the heart, the new nature you've become, and then living that out. You can't become more like Christ. That's called self-righteousness. Jesus was pretty strong and against that sort of thing. (laughs) The Christian life is learning and discovering who you have become in Christ and then outworking that. That is the sanctification process. That is, you have been made sanctified, holy, and sanctification. Hagiosmos, I think the word is, is you outworking your sanctified nature. I can't be a husband unless I'm married. It's impossible. You can't be, you can't do sanctification unless you are sanctified. Yeah? You can't live a righteous life unless you've been made righteous. And the verses we read at the start about the pure heart, you know, uh, the 1 Timothy 1 there says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Jesus died, spirit, soul, body, to redeem you, spirit, soul, body. He died. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. My prayer for us as a church, my prayer for this school, my prayer for these next eight weeks is that we would draw a line in the sand as Christians and say, you know what, I'm going to give myself to, to this. I'm going to give myself to the reality of I've become a son or a daughter of God. He loves me. 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 He's well pleased with me. Not only does he love me, but he likes me. He likes how I've been made because he made me and he created me in my mother's womb. He knit me together and he decided I'm a good thing, that I'm good. And I'm going to give myself to that and see the transformation that actually takes place in our mind. It was done in the heart and now we've got to believe it. We need believing Christians who believe that they believe that they believe. You know, like we we need believing believers. It says that the earth is groaning for sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Who the sun sets free is kind of free, sort of free, becoming free, or free indeed. Free indeed. You're not a byproduct of your mum and dad anymore, whether you've had good pro- mum and dads or not. It's, it's irrelevant. You are a product of God. You're a child of God. You've been bought with blood from above. Paul says in Galatians, oh, I think I've got it in here, Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5, we know this one. We're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new is come.
Jesus, we have to come back to this. Oh, well, Liam, my experience is this, so. Okay. Your experience might be that, but this is something different than your experience. Don't let your experience trump truth. One John four seventeen says, "As he is, who, so we are, in this world." Jesus isn't up there struggling with the finances. Jesus isn't up there struggling with lust. Jesus isn't up there going, I don't know what I'm going to do about this thing. Now, his compassion, he, is, he, he comes alongside us in our weakest moments. He's a comforter. He's kind. He's gentle. He walks with us and he, he guides us through things. But the starting point and the finishing point and the middle point of intimacy with God is knowing I am a son of God or a daughter of God and I can enter boldly into the throne room. I'm not yin and yang. I'm not a little bit of darkness and a little bit of light. I'm fully light and fully redeemed and I can come boldly. boldly. And as he is, so am I in this world. And that's how God actually sees me. If I can grab Solomon for a second. Solomon, if you jump up here. So long, so, so often, just stand there for me. So often we've made out, and if Dave, if you want to just jump up, Dave, if you want to jump up, Dave's God standing, standing in a row. Dave's God, Solomon's Jesus, and I'm Liam. And we've made out like God looks at um, Liam through a blanketed lens of Jesus. Oh, thank goodness Jesus is standing the way, in the way of the Father and saying, oh, I'm covering Liam's sin. No, he's not covering my sin. He covered my sin at the cross and deposited the Holy Spirit in me. So now Solomon's like in me, <laughs> right? And as he is, so am I in this world. So when God sees me, he sees a direct line of Jesus. You guys can sit down. Thank you. Thank you, the Father and the Son. That's good. So he sees me as righteous. Oh, Liam, what if you what if you sin? What if you stuff up? It's that's called relationship in the journey with the Lord. <laughs> that's called you go. Oh, I am so sorry. I did that, Lord. I don't. I that's actually not who I've become now. I've become you in the flesh. You're inside me. Show me clearly. Show me. Unveil the eyes of my heart that I may be enlightened to know the hope in which I've been called to. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. All right. Okay, I want to, want to emphasize this. I want to emphasize it a little bit more next week. But I want to emphasize this. This isn't, you now have the permission to sin and just and get away with it. It's like, oh, well, I'm just covered by grace. I can just do what I want. No, it's you've been set free from the power of sin. Now live free. Live in the freedom and the righteousness that God has for you. Live in the holiness that God has for you. 
you are separated. You are no longer a goat, you're a sheep. You're no longer unholy, you're holy. And now it's our job to steward that and live in intimacy with God and come boldly into the throne with him. And I share my story a little bit. I'll tell you right now, that's actually the first time I've shared it in quite a while. It feels like I'm talking about another human being. It, 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 it's foreign. That person's a foreign person to me because he died. So when people say, hey, I've had people, they're like, oh, well, you grew up in the church. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I preach this message, I'm like, oh, would you like to hear my story? <laughs> We're going to read one verse. Um, Two Peter 1, verse 3. Just listen to this, because I just want to pray for people to encounter this this morning. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Did you hear it? You escaped it. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So this is the part we play. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, with knowledge, with self-control, with self-control, with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Was cleansed. My prayer, and I know anyone that's been around me or this church long enough knows that we pound this stuff. And the reality is this, is because when we know our identity in Christ is secure, the things that come against us in the world, they don't affect us anymore. They might, they might, things might hurt, things might be painful. We have emotions, we're emotional beings. But we're not ruled by our emotions or our circumstances. We're ruled by, I'm a son. He loves me and he's for me. So who cares who's against me? I'm actually, he made you holy. He made you exactly like him. He did a good job of killing your old nature. That's the only thing you should never resurrect. Don't resurrect the old man. For a long time, Christianity has been trying to put makeup on a dead corpse to make it look good. And we call it sanctification. 
He killed the old man, leave him dead, live in the new, new man, in the new covenant, in the new creation, and believe that you've been birthed from above, from a father who loves you, and you've actually, you have actually been made righteous with Christ. It's powerful. All right, why don't you stand? All the verses I shared, a lot of what I shared is in your booklet. Uh, next week, I'm, I'm going to go through some of the troubling verses. And um, do some practical things of, of what this actually looks like as well. We have some guests coming in in a few weeks. We've got Kylie Inglis is going to come and preach and um, Jalil Schelling, who some of you know. Andrew's doing a week. He's not a guest, but... I don't often... <clears throat> I'm not often moved by... Well, actually, I'm never moved by the devil. But you can see in the world that identity is under attack. Doesn't, doesn't take, that's, that's not a prophetic word. Like that's just stating the obvious. <laughs> right? And the reality is every single person on planet Earth wants Jesus. They just don't know it. The Bible says he's the desire of the nations. Every person wants Jesus. They want our king. They want him and they want him bad and they need him. We will represent him well when we realize we've become sons and daughters of God. Because then it's not about what I do for Jesus. It's about who I am and how I represent him. That this platform or a stage or a ministry will no longer define me or my job or my or my, or my parents, or my upbringing, or my whatever it is, you fill in the blank. That does no longer define you. You're defined by Christ. Oh, William, you don't understand what I've been through. No, I don't understand, but you need to understand what he went through to redeem you. You know the song that says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross? I want to know how much it cost. I want to know how much it cost him to see me crucified on the cross, to see you crucified on the cross, so we can actually have a revelation over and over again. We need to have an encounter over and over again. It's not just a one-time thing. It's like, I need to know how much it cost you, Jesus, to see my sin upon that cross so that I can live it out, so that I can walk in the freedom that you have for me. Things happen. There are circumstances sometimes out of our control, like we saw this week. <laughs> Holy moly, what a storm. Things happened. Houses, you know, getting crushed and things happen that out of our control. You're still on the throne, Jesus. Still a son. Still a daughter. 
still loved. You're still for me. You're not against me. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. You like me. Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and convict us of our righteousness? Because you go to be with the Father, the Bible says. Where areas where we've forgotten or areas where we have maybe just gone, oh yeah, I know that. I, I know the language of righteousness, but I'm not living in the freedom and the reality that you purchased for me at Calvary. Would you just give us a little slap along the side of the cheek and wake us up, God? Our prayer life changes when we realize we're redeemed. So I'm just going to begin to pray. And, and as you feel led, I want you to start to pray as well. Pray in the Spirit if you want to. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the people in this room. And I pray every person would encounter your love this morning. Every person in this room would get a breakthrough that they need. There'd be spiritual healing, mental healing, and physical healing in this room this morning, God. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you love us. I thank you that you've called us redeemed and righteous and holy. God, you've actually adopted me into your family. You've adopted me in and you've called me a son. Show me more clearly. Lord, anoint me with power from on high to outwork your spirit. Come again, God. I want to encounter your love and come face to face with you, Jesus. I want to see clearly who I am in a mirror. Beholding it is in a mirror, like it says in your word, Jesus. And God, I just cry out, Abba Father. I cry out, Abba Father, that you've adopted me in. And I pray that more sons and daughters would be birthed in Glory City, in our families, in our church regions, that we wouldn't have Christians walking around in brokenness or despair, that we'd have a revival inside of the church. That we'd have a movement of, of, your, of sons and daughters. That we would no longer be defined by our past or our parents' past. That we wouldn't be under a generational curse, but we'd be under the blood of Jesus Christ. That we've been bought with the blood. We've been purchased with the blood. We've been redeemed in the blood. And there's power in the blood. You are not a product of your past. You're a product of Jesus you're not under a generational curse. You're under the, the redemptive freedom of the reality of Jesus Christ. I pray our, our minds would be renewed right now to fulfill and outwork the will of God in Jesus. That's right. I agree.